Life has its ups and downs. Life can be fun. Life is sometimes hectic. And life is full of choices. Welcome to Venture, the podcast that brings the biblical truth to the ventures that we face in this world and live in today. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Venture Podcast. My name's Dan Wills and I'm the lead pastor at Chandler Acres Church in Bellevue, Nebraska, where we are a micro church with a mega vision uh, to reach people to be followers of Jesus Christ. And and so uh, we created this podcast to do just that thing, is to uh, get the word out of who Jesus is and who he can be in our lives. And so I'm excited to be continuing this series called Parenthood. Uh, Today we're going to study what we call the unchanging principles of parenting. Uh, We're going to look at three principles that never change in our relationships, especially parenting, because quite honestly, there are many, many things that do change, especially in our philosophies of parenting. For example, when my daughter was a baby, she would suck on a pacifier just like many other babies that are out there, and if the pacifier would fall out, we would quickly boil some water and boil the pacifier in it to make it clean, and then we would give it back to her, right? Well, then my son comes along, and we kind of loosened up. If the pacifier fell out, we would let the dog lick it and pop it back into his mouth. <laughs> Not really, but close enough, right? And, but things change in our philosophy of parenting. So today, we are going to look at an encounter that Jesus had with some children, And in it, we see the three unchanging principles in in all relationships, okay? Not just parenting, but in all relationships. So let's look at our scripture. It comes from Mark 10. It's verses 13 through 16. Here's what it says. People were bringing little children to him in order that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so after taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on them and blessed them. In that one little story, a story showing Jesus encountering little children, we we see the three unchanging principles of parenting. The first one, and so important if you are taking notes uh, at any kind, number one is what we call loving touch. All right, the loving and appropriate touch that communicates such a rich sense of unconditional love and acceptance. Okay, we see in verse thirteen that people were bringing their little children to Jesus to have them do what? To have him touch them. Now, why were they bringing the children to Jesus to have him touch them? Because there's power in loving and appropriate touch. There, there's this power in it. Now, for years, I think I had this freaked out image of what the touch of Jesus looked like. I think I probably watched too many hours of the bad preaching channel where they would be a line of people and the preachers would take their hands and put them on people's foreheads and say, be healed in Jesus' name. And their hair would be all everywhere and messed up and so forth. And so I imagine all these little kids in front of Jesus standing up with his hands coming down on their heads saying, be healed in the name of the Father and in the name of me and the name of the Holy Ghost or something like that, right? But in reality, his touch was very different. So how do we know this? Well, we find a key or a clue uh, in the Greek word that is translated as touch, okay? It is the word haptomahi, and it means very literally to attach oneself. 
It means to embrace or it means to touch. So, so when Jesus touched the little children, it was very likely he was kind of in that kickback mode, maybe sitting on a rock, and he said, hey, you know, let the kids come on to me, bring it on, and, and they would come running up to him, and they would embrace him, you know, in a hug, and, and, and he would attach himself very affectionately in an appropriate way to them. It would be like um, kids running up to a, a teacher in a daycare or, or something like that, you know, and he would hold them, maybe snuggle with them, and, and speak just some awesome words of encouragement to them. It was very, very relational. Now, why is this so important? Well, I'll tell you a story that I read this week that, that, that helps illustrate illustrate what, what's going on here. In the 13th century, there was this unusual king named King Frederick II that tried this just off-the-wall experiment, and he was so curious of what language would a child speak if that child was never, ever spoken to from the time he or she was born. It's this weird idea, but he wanted to find out what language would the child speak. And so he had 50 babies brought into his laboratory. Don't know where he got the 50 babies from, but they had him brought in to this laboratory. And he had some ladies agree to take care of these 50 little infants. But the only agreement was that they were not allowed to speak over to these babies at all. Okay, They were not allowed to show affection or emotion. They could just feed the baby, change the diapers, no goo-goo-ga-ga and all that kind of stuff. Okay, Nothing affectionate towards the babies. Well, guess what? The experiment failed because all 50 babies within a year died. Now, why did they die? Not because they were lacking physical nourishment, but most would argue because they were lacking emotional and relational nourishment. They didn't have the touch that was, that was so important to them. And so I'm kind of curious if, if you could, um, I wish I could hear your answer uh, with, with you guys that are listening. How many of you would say that you are kind of uh, naturally expressive with touch, right? You like to hug, hug and kiss. And, and how many of you would say, you know what, I'm a little bit more reserved. I'm just not that real huggy, huggy, touchy-feely person, okay? Well, I'm, I'm kind of more on that reserve side, okay? And, and for years, I would use that for an excuse. I would just say, you know, I'm not a touchy kind of guy. And I even made up my own touch rules, especially when it comes to guys touching guys. A good firm handshake was good. Uh, look at the look in the eye was great. Uh, maybe even a pat on the shoulder a little bit. You know that was kind of a holy moment for me. Anything else is is questionable. The problem is a lot of uh, you guys that are out there are kind of that huggy and touchy person, and you want to hug. Well, in my my mind, a good solid hug is really just three pats, break the hug, and, and walk away. Break the hug and walk away, right? It's just that simple, unless you are playing sports. <laughs> and then all the touch rules change, which is to me is funny, you know, because if you are playing sports, you can do all these touches that would otherwise be inappropriate. You can pat a guy on the butt in sports, and that is fine. Imagine it in the workplace, though. A good guy, a guy goes up and gives a good presentation. Hey, good presentation, man. Pat, pat, you know. <laughs> it's only in sports that works, right? So the pat on the butt is completely appropriate in sports as long as your hand is flat. You cup it and you will answer to Jesus. I'm just sharing that with you, okay? Any cupped hand on the butt is wrong. But anyway, now that we've got that settled, let me just say this. As one who's kind of not real touchy, the Spirit of God did a divine work in my life when I started to have kids. I've become the most, uh, I wouldn't say the most huggy, lovey person, but I've become definitely more huggy, lovey this emotional guy um, that you could see, right? I hug a lot more now, even with guys. And sometimes I'll even lose a little bit of control with it. I'll pat them like four times before I break away and walk away. 
And God really has done a work on my heart. And so all that just to say this, you've got no excuse. You say, well, I'm not affectionate. I'm not naturally affectionate with my kids. Learn it. Learn to be. Ask for it. Because it's so important in their lives. Okay? Let's look at a verse talking about Jesus in touch. Matthew 6.56 says, and, whenever, and whenever he went into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch him, even on the edge of his clothes, and all who touched him were healed. Now I want you to check this out. I did a word study on the word touched in the NIV, just on the NIV, and the word touched appears in the Gospels 20 times in regards to Jesus. Okay? And every single time the word touched appears in reference to Jesus, it's always in regards to healing. That's power in loving and appropriate touch. All right? Number one was loving touch. Thought number two of unchanging principles of parenting is abundant time. Lots and lots of time. And then more time. Someone asked the question, how do kids spell love? And they said, kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Okay? Abundant time. Look at what Jesus does in verse 13. People are bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuke them. In other words, he's too busy. He's too important. He's got dead people to bring to life again. He's got blind eyes to open up. You know, Don't bother him with children. But Jesus was not happy about that. So he says in verse 14, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now, the Greek word that is translated indigenous, it would be translated as ticked off in today's culture. Indigenous is a soft translation for what the Greek word really means. He was not happy. He said to them, no, 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 let them come on, bring them on. Let the little children come to me, forbid them not. Uh, I would like to know how many of you here listening are NASCAR fans, you know, I'm not sure it's really a sport, but I've heard it is. Somebody told me it is. I mean, think about this, okay? NASCAR. What kind of training does it take to, to train for NASCAR, right? Drive straight, turn left. Drive straight, turn left. Oh, drive straight again, turn left again, right? Okay. I, I, I know there's more to it. I'm not that big of a NASCAR fan, okay? But I'll tell you what, though. What is fascinating to me is the pit crew of NASCAR. Even if you're not a fan, you have to admit that, right? Seven people in, in this little place, and, and a car comes in, zoom, 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 you know, and, and pulls up, and a, and, and a good pit stop will last 12 to 15 seconds, okay? I had to study that to find that out. That's 12 to 15 seconds. They change the tires, put gas in, do an oil change, check the car, clean off the windshield, you know, eat a happy meal, all this stuff in, in, in like 15 seconds. And then zoom, 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 they're out again, right? And I would argue today that many parents are doing what I would call pit stop parenting. It's parenting in 12 to 15 second spurts, okay? Kids come in, how was your day? Great. Did you do your homework? Great. Did you wear clean underwear? Great. Don't eat yellow snow and don't have sex until after you're married. Good night. Love you, right? It's pit stop parenting, Okay, get back in the minivan. We got to go. Where are we having for dinner, Mom? I don't know. Find a French fry under the seat. We got to go. Hey, there's Dad. Wave at him. Dad, who? Gone. We're out of here. Now, obviously, I'm exaggerating for a point because the truth is we as parents spend much more than 12 to 15 seconds engaged with our children. According to one article I read, dads are much more generous. According to this article, the average dad spends 37 seconds a day. 
37 seconds a day engaged in meaningful conversation with his children. 37 seconds a day, guys. Let's just talk about the real world because those of you that are married with kids and both of you are working, this is challenging, right? That is challenging, no doubt about it. Let's just take it up a bit of those of you who are single parents. God bless you. I don't know how you do it. Don't have a clue how you work a job, often two jobs, often more than that. Get the kids to school, have the clothes uh, on the right way, feed them, do everything by yourself with no emotional support. I don't have a clue. But let me just say, if you are not careful, wherever you are, you will come up with an excuse to say, I don't really have time to spend with my kids. You see, we all have an excuse. Let me just tell you right now, there is no valid excuse for not spending time with the kids. You say, well, I don't have time. No, you have time for what you to choose to have time for, okay? Period. But you are a good person, and you really are, and so your heart will say, well, I'm going to do, do it, but just in a little while. First, I have to get some things done. And you say, well, first I have to graduate and get my degree, and then I can make more money and then sport, spend more time with my kids. And so just in a little while, we'll get there. Or first, I need to work just a little bit extra so I can pay off this credit card so we're not struggling in debt. But, but you know, in a little while, I'll, I'll get there. Or I need to work a little harder so maybe I'll get this promotion at work, but probably around the holidays I'll be able to spend a little more time with, with my kids. Let me tell you right now, if you don't decide to do it now, you are not likely going to do it. You have time to choose what you have time for. Billy Graham, one of the all-time greats uh, evangelists, uh, in fact, he's my favorite all-time, uh, a reporter asked him, if you had your life to do it all over again, what would you do differently? True, true, true um, scenario. She asked this question of him, and, and it's a great question. And here's what he didn't say. He didn't say, I would have done 10 more crusades and lead tens of thousands of more people to Christ. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I would have opened up another institute for pastors and, and Christian leaders and build more leaders to change the rest of the world. He didn't say that either. And he didn't say, I would have written another best-selling book that would have sold millions of copies and impacted millions of lives. He didn't say that. What did he say when they asked, what would you do differently if you had your life to do all over again? And he said, I would have spent more time with my kids. Abundant time. One of the big time thieves that take away from our families is the cell phone, right? For example, many years ago, uh, when my kids were little, I came home from work one day and I was talking on, to someone on the phone. This is back in the day when you didn't have a way to um, talk on the phone through the car. And so I had to hold the phone as I was driving. Not safe, right? But I had to do that when I was, that's what we did back then. And so as I pulled up into the driveway, I continued my conversation as I walked in the house. And both my son and daughter come running up to me when I was on the cell phone. And, and my wife said was obviously the high point of their day because their eyes lit up. They grabbed a hold of my legs and they were screaming out, Daddy's home, Daddy's home, Daddy's home. And because I was on the phone without even knowing it, I pushed them away. Didn't acknowledge them and kept on talking. To this day, I don't know what I was talking about or who I was talking to, but I do know that I missed a moment with my kids that was very, very important. You have time for what you choose to have time for. How long does your life last? James tells us in 4.14, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Thought number one is we'll express our love with loving touch. Number two is with abundant time. And number three, we want to be characterized by encouraging 
Talk. By encouraging talk. Look at what Jesus said to these kids. Verse 16, and he took the children in his arms, put his hands on them, and he blessed them. I love that. I don't know what he said to them, okay? I have no idea. I really wonder what he said, but whatever he said, it was a blessing. He encouraged them. He lifted them up with his words. He didn't say, hey, stop that. Hey, cut that out. Hey, hey, stop touching your brother. Hey, stop hitting back there. Hey, I wish, wish you'd be more like your sister or your brother. He blessed them, encouraged them. One of the most important things we can do for our children is to speak words of life rather than words of death. Watch the words that you speak. If you're like me in the past, I was characterized more by catching them doing something wrong, always telling them what they weren't or what they could be doing better rather than catching them doing something right. You know, like, well done, man, I'm so proud of you. Man, you knocked them out of the park today. You're the most awesome of all time. We as parents need to be characterized by encouraging words. Here's something that I thought was profound. I never realized this before uh, I began to study my, the, my message for this. In all of Scripture, there's only one place that the audible voice of God is recorded in Scripture speaking to Jesus. There's other times where he's speaking to other people, and he probably spoke to Jesus more audibly than we, we have, but this is the only place recorded in Scripture. And so I want you to see what the Heavenly Father said to his child. Matthew 3.17. Listen to what it says. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Think about that. The one time it is recorded of God speaking, he's like, I'm so proud of my son. Heaven is breaking open for me to brag on him. You are on the right track, son. You are knocking out of the park. You have exceeded my greatest expectations. I want everyone to know that he's mine. I love you so much. I can't even put words into into it. I am so proud of you. There is something about that. When I read that and think about that, that you, you can't help but get emotional. And I think it's because I live to hear those words from my own parents, right? <clears throat> my dad was a, was a great coach, and when I played baseball and made a, a good play, he'd say afterwards, son, I'm so proud of you. That play you made, it made my chest bulge out and make the buttons pop off my shirt, you know? I was like 23 years old before I realized he was exaggerating. I was devastated. They didn't really pop off, but I thought they did. You know, my mom would say, you're the best son who's ever lived. I lived on those words, encouraging words. Parents, you've got one chance, one chance, time, talk, and touch. For those of you that would say, yeah, yeah, whatever, I still got a lot going on, I'll get there at one point. Let me just tell you this. The next time you have a baby, literally have a baby, or you have an opportunity to, to hold a baby, I want you to take that little baby and hold him or her in your arms. And what I want you to do is I want you to take a mental picture of that little child. And as soon as you do, I want you to blink. For when you open up your eyes, that little baby will be walking across your living room floor. And I want you to look at, look, take a look at that little child and take a mental picture of your baby taking their first steps. And then I want you to blink again. And when you open up your eyes, you'll be releasing your child to ride a bicycle without training wheels, going drown, down the driveway for the very first time. And I want you to take a mental picture of that and then blink. And then when you open up your eyes, that child will no longer be riding off in a bike, but driving off in an automobile. And you will learn to pray like you've never prayed in your whole life. And then I want you to take a mental picture of that and I want you to blink. Because when you open up your eyes, that child will be driving off to college 
or to get married or to start our life on his or own, her own. And if you don't believe me and you think I'm being overdramatic, then blink. That concludes our episode for today of Venture Podcast. Uh, please join us next week as we continue our series on parenthood, where we're taking the principles of understanding what God teaches us about being parents according to his word. We'll talk to you soon. If you'd like to know more about Venture Podcast or Chandler Acres Church, or if you'd like to support this ministry, please visit us at chandleracreschurch.com.